It is 24 September. I'm Charlie Garrett. It's Sunday. This is the CG Prophecy Report. The enemy within. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, we got some news from Israel today. From the Times of Israel, Air Force stages major drill in Greece, practicing potential long-run strike on Iran. The IAF staged a major long-range strike drill in Greece, the latest in a series of drills aimed at preparing the military for a potential strike on Iran and its nuclear facilities. The joint two-day long drill with the Hellenic Air Force included long-range flights, aerial refueling, low-altitude flights, and the use of live fire. During the drill, dozens of IAF fighter jets, as well as spy planes and refueling aircraft, flew from Israel to Greece and back. The drill was carried out under especially challenging weather conditions, but despite this, all the mock targets were destroyed. Fighter jets of the Hellenic Air Force joined the IAF warplanes during their long-range flights into Greek territory, which the IDF said is aimed at mutual learning. Two main goals to the drill. The first is cooperation with Greece, which includes mutual learning, and the second is improving the IAF's readiness. Dealing with long-range flights with weather changes, lacking intelligence, and sometimes with very complex missions. The exercise is a part of a series of exercises and models carried out by the IAF in the past year, and their purpose is to improve operational and mental competence for long-range flights, refueling, attacks in, in the depth of, meaning in enemy territory, and achieving air superiority. Um, it's known now that Israel has the right to fly through the Arab Emirates. Saudi Arabia also will let their military flights fly through if it's necessary to get to Iran. If Iran is developing and it's certain they are going to have nuclear weapons, Saudi Arabia will not stop that in any way, shape, or form. So we could have a two-prong attack, one coming from this side and one coming from that side against Iran. And this is the goal here, and uh, I don't know if that's going to be the impetus for Gog Magog or if it's going to be oil or what, but something will bring them down. Russia and Iran will be coming against them with Libya and a coalition of nations, and uh, we don't know when that's coming, but, you know, every day it gets a little closer, and Israel is preparing for it. From All Israel News, new supercomputer may help revive Israel's tech sector. The American chipmaker giant NVIDIA announced it would be building a supercomputer called the Israel One in May, scheduled to be operational in 2024. Israel One is expected to become the sixth most powerful computer in the world with immense processing capabilities and speed. Some believe that the Israel One could potentially revive the Jewish state's currently struggling tech sector and could potentially revolutionize AI, medical tech, and climate tech. Professor Noam Shomron, head of the Applied Genomics Lab at the Faculty of Medicine at Tel Aviv University, explained the potential of supercomputers in the medical field. We are collecting more and more DNA data in labs, but 
computing power isn't keeping up with the pace. Therefore, there is great importance in the integration and use of supercomputers that will enable us to read, collect, define, and understand as much as possible of that genetic material, the DNA, Shomron said. NVIDIA built its second largest research and development center in the startup nation, employing more than 3,000 Israeli tech workers. So they already got, you know, closeness with Israel, and now they're going to get closer with the supercomputer. From the Times of Israel, Israel intercepts 16 tons of chemicals used in rocket fuel headed to Gaza from Turkey. Among the containers that arrived at Ashdod port were some containing 45 tons of plaster for construction in Gaza. In those containers, inspectors found 16 tons of ammonium chloride, a dual-use chemical that Israel bars from Gaza due to its potential to be used to construct rockets, which is exactly what they would do with it. Terror groups in the Hamas-ruled Strip have fired tens of thousands of rockets at Israel in recent years. They won't be firing that stuff at them. From the Times of Israel, air taxis fly over Jerusalem for the first time as Israel builds airspace network of drones. Israel expanded test flights of air taxis to urban areas in Jerusalem as it prepares the airspace for a drone delivery network of passengers and heavy cargo to ease traffic congestion on the country's roads. During the demonstration, also known as the Israel National Drone Initiative, experimental flights of an autonomous flying vehicle. A Chinese-made electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft with long-distance capabilities took off from Jerusalem's Hadassah Ain Karem Hospital, flew over the hills of the city, and landed back at the medical center's premises after less than half an hour. The overall aim of the project is to fly passengers and heavy cargo from one place to another and relieve traffic congestion on Israel's busy roads by using drones, as well as provide commercial and public services. In particular, in life-saving missions in emergency scenarios such as earthquakes with mass casualties and for urgent medical supplies and tests. So we may actually see those over here instead of Bay Flight. We've got the helicopter that takes off of the hospital and goes and picks you up if you get in an accident. They may start using drones. They're smaller. They're easier to maneuver. You don't need all of the extra uh, wingspan. My brother was hit by a hit-and-run person right over on Bee Ridge Road, right by your house. And he was bleeding out. He would not have made it if they had to use a uh, uh, regular ambulance. And so they flew in right at that um, playground, right on the corner there. They flew in a helicopter, but they had to close the road and everything because it takes a lot of space. So this is actually a good idea, not just for the things they mentioned, but for all over the world. From the Times of Israel, that was not my middle brother that you know. That's the brother you don't know, that most of you don't know. Yeah, there you go. Keep him in prayer. He's the one that needs Jesus. Uh, from the Times of Israel, 100 carats. Arab states, EU, unveil plan to entice Israel, Palestinian authority, to sign peace deal. That does not mean that they're working on a peace deal. They're working on making it beneficial for them to sign a peace deal. When it is approved, they'll say, if you will sign this peace deal, then we'll give you this and this. We'll give you trade here. We'll do this and that. So that is to entice them. But the peace deal is something that will be worked out by somebody else. Okay, we have some news from Christianity today from Mail Online. 
Georgetown University and the Jesuits gift $27 million to charity for descendants of enslaved people who were sold to pay off a debt at the school in 1838. The donation is part of a plan to raise a whopping $1 billion for the Descendants Truth and Reconciliation Foundation. That's money that will just get squandered away. From the Times of Israel, Pope Pius XII had detailed information on Nazi killing of Jews. Now, I've known this for years because they did a book years and years ago, which some of you may have read, called The uh, Nazis Pope. And so if you want to read that, you probably get it online nowadays because public libraries are you know, whatever. But um, uh, anyway, this is something that somebody had done detailed research on, but now the Vatican has released a document that confirms what was already known. Uh, newly discovered correspondence suggests that World War II-era Pope Pius XII had detailed information from a trusted German Jesuit that up to 6,000 Jews and Poles were being gassed each day in German-occupied Poland undercutting the Holy See's argument that it couldn't verify diplomatic reports of Nazi atrocities to denounce them. The documentation from the Vatican Archives, so they knew it all along, published this weekend in Italian Daily, I can't pronounce it, some magazine is likely to further fuel the debate about Pius's legacy and his now stalled beatification campaign. The letter was significant because it represented detailed correspondence about the Nazi extermination of Jews from an uninformed church source in Germany who was part of the Catholic anti-Hitler resistance that was able to get otherwise secret information to the Vatican. The letter from the priest, the Reverend Lothar Koenig, to Pius's secretary, a fellow German Jesuit named the Reverend Robert Lieber, is dated December 14, 1942. Written in German, the letter addresses Lieber as dear friend and goes on to report that the Nazis were killing up to 6,000 Jews and Poles daily from Ravka Ruska, a town in pre-war Poland that is today located in Ukraine, and transporting them to Belzec death camp. So there you go, confirming what we already knew about what the Catholics or the Roman Catholic hierarchy knew all along. From WNG. The train is leaving the station. Andy Stanley's departure from biblical Christianity. I believe this was written by Albert Moeller. It's not like we've seen this coming. Andy Stanley is set to host the Unconditional Conference at a campus of North Point Community Church in the metro Atlanta area in the coming days. And the website for the conference bills it as a two-day premiere event, specially designed for parents of LGBTQ plus children and ministry leaders. You will be equipped, refreshed, and inspired as you hear from leading communicators on topics that speak to your heart soul, and mind. It promises. One statement stands out in the description. No matter what theological stance you hold, we invite you to listen, reflect, and learn as we approach this topic from the quieter middle space. Uh, middle space. I don't know any middle space in this book. Did anybody ever see a middle space? I've never seen that, but if you find it, let me know. Uh, let's see here. It might appear attractive given the volatility of cultural discourse on LGBTQ LMNOP issues and a conference designed to help parents of these children and ministry leaders work through these issues in clearly biblical terms would be a welcome development. 
But the advertising for the Unconditional Conference indicates clearly that this event is designed as a platform for normalizing the LGBTQ plus revolution, while claiming that the conference represents the quieter middle space. In truth, there is no middle space on these issues, and it is no longer plausible to claim that such middle space exists. Scheduled speakers for the event include two men who are married to each other, at least according to current civil law. So he's got these people that are not supposed to even be speaking in church, speaking in church. Biological background on speakers Justin Lee and Brian Neitzel indicates that both men are in what we now would describe as same-sex marriages. Lee is well known as a platform speaker who argues for the legitimacy of monogamous same-sex relationships. Neitzel presents, you know, once you start with that, it becomes polymorphous, and then it goes into something else, and then you're into bestiality. You let the foot in the door, and the door is open, okay? That's all there is to it. Nitzel presents seminars on restoring LGBTQ plus faith, restoring it. There never was that, and he wants to restore it. Just to be clear, this is not the quieter middle space. Okay, we got some news from the Mideast and Africa today. Yeah, I got some head shaking here. I mean, it's terrible. Andy Stanley has waited for his father to punch his ticket so he could come out and be the mental minuscule, the moral minuscule that he actually is. It's just... It's defiling. It's dirty. It feels gross just reading an article like that from the Times of Israel. In unprecedented move, Iran bars one-third of UN inspectors from accessing nuclear sites. This was last week, but it's important enough to mention right now. The IAEA's chief slammed the move as unprecedented and said it would complicate inspection of Iran's nuclear program. The la- and he- This happened the day after they got $6 billion from the guy in the White House. The lack of cooperation will damage the organization's ability to provide credible assurances that nuclear material and activities in Iran are for peaceful purposes. This profoundly regrettable decision by Iran is another step in the wrong direction and constitutes an unnecessary blow to an already strained relationship between the IAEA and Iran in the implementation of the NPT Safeguards Agreement. Now, all the liberal media went out and they told you how great Biden was for getting these American citizens back. And, you know, they may have mentioned it, but not in any context, $6 billion being given to the Iranians. But Not a word of this on any mainstream site afterwards. None. Zero hedge. A declaration of war on Europe. Salvini says 6,000 migrants landing on one day threatens to collapse the Italian society. Social media has been awash with videos of migrants storming the shores of Italy in recent days. And Italy's nominally conservative government is being forced to respond. Deputy Prime Minister Salvini, known for his hawkish stance on immigration during his tenure as Interior Minister in 2018, said that when 100, 120 boats filled with migrants arrive on the shores of Italy at the same time, it is not a spontaneous phenomenon. It is a declaration of war on Europe. The deputy prime minister referred to the fact that the boats with approximately 6,000 migrants docked on the island of Lampedusa in one day. 
He stressed that the problem was not exclusive to Lampedusa and that the situation threatened to collapse Italian society as a whole. Salvini said he is convinced that mass migration to Europe was being orchestrated by criminal organizations, including human trafficking organizations. He added that Europe had completely abandoned Italy to protect its land and maritime borders and that Rome should act on its own to further tighten national security and migration regulations. Video footage of boat after boat made waves on social media with it serving as a visceral reminder of the spiraling immigration crisis that Europe is facing. I saw another article after that that said that they are going to petition the EU to make a naval blockade. The EU will never agree to that. They don't care. They're just like the person in the White House. They want this to come about. From the times, you know, get people killed in one way and then bring in others to replace them that are not as intelligent because they haven't been educated. Bring them in and they'll be your slave workers. I mean, the whole thing is obviously orchestrated. It's happening a couple years after this event comes this event. Everything is being orchestrated to destroy Western society. But the people that are on the top think that they're going to be ruling like, you know, potentates over their minions. This is exactly what they're looking for. From the Times of Israel, UAE envoy, de facto West Bank annexation unfolding, but our ability to stop it wanes. I like this. UAE ambassador to the U.S., Yosef Al-Otaiba, said that Prime Minister Netanyahu's government is engaged in a process of de facto annexation of the West Bank, and it may be up to other countries weighing normalization with Israel to stop it, which they won't do. It's tough because it is happening, and I think it's happening in a way that is not visible and is going to make coming back to a two-state solution even more challenging. While the UAE has repeatedly condemned Israeli policies in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, Public criticism of Israel policy in the West Bank is more rare. Opponents of the government point to its advancement of a record number of settlement homes for construction. It moves to legalize roughly a dozen wildcat settler outposts, its streamlining of the settlement approval process, and its transfer of control over civilian authorities in the West Bank to Finance Minister Smotrich as examples of a broader effort to annex the West Bank in practice, even if Israel doesn't formally implement such a move. The countries involved in the Abraham Accords did not publicize it at the time, but Netanyahu's commitment to not annex the West Bank was in a limited duration. This is key to it. Days after the normalization agreement was announced in September 2020, three sources familiar with the negotiations told the Times of Israel that President Trump gave the UAE a commitment that Washington would not recognize any Israeli annexation move until 2024 at the earliest. Man, that's coming soon. So after that, it can happen. Now we got something interesting from Mongolia. And this is highly interesting. You know how I love sports. I just cling to every sports statistic on the planet. From Barons, Mongolia cricketers, which is my favorite sport of all, uh, out for 15 to start Asian Games action. Mongolia's women's cricket team 
were in tears after being bowled out for 15 runs and a thrashing by Indonesia on the opening day of action at the Asian Games. They were making their debut at an international tournament and were given a harsh lesson as Indonesia made 187-4 to in the 2020 preliminary round match. Coach David Talala said he was proud of his young team. Their average age is just 19, given their very limited resources and experience of the sport. More than half of his players had never even left Mongolia before, and this was their first experience of a grass wicket having been used to an artificial pitch at home. So there you go. Poor girls from Mongolia just got shellacked. Yeah. All right, Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. Well, we don't need to worry about technology anymore because the rapture is tomorrow. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, okay, your Wi-Fi can see you. Did you know that? Yeah. Wi-Fi is electromagnetic waves in the 2.4 and 5 gigahertz ranges. It's the same thing as the light you see, only it can penetrate walls due to its much longer wavelength. Just like light and echolocation, these waves are, they also reflect off various surfaces and can be used to create an image. Sensing the potential of this new surveillance technology, researchers began piling on Progress was initially slow, but in 2017, two researchers in Germany demonstrated the ability to do Wi-Fi imaging using techniques borrowed from the field of holography. You may not remember that, but I reported on that back then. In 2019, former DARPA contractor Ray Liu launched his first commercial product in the Wi-Fi sensing domain, pitched as a way of making the world safer, healthier, and smarter. The original military and LE usages mentioned when this technology was born in 2005 were cast aside. The company claims the technology is so accurate that it can sense your breathing using nothing but standard Wi-Fi signals. Further refinements have been made. In late 2021, another paper was submitted to IEEE outlining how the researchers were able to achieve high-resolution imaging results with commercial Wi-Fi signals using beamforming on the 802.11NAC protocol. The perfect Wi-Fi imaging system may have just been introduced into the world in December 2022, when researchers from Carnegie Mellon married the latest in Wi-Fi sensing tech to a human form estimation engine known as DensePro. Somebody has this thing called DensePro, and they took that and they combined it with this technology, and now they can, we'll go on. The researchers modified DensePro so that rather than taking an RGB image, it would be compatible with the imagery being produced by state-of-the-art Wi-Fi sensing technologies. The resulting system can detect the pose of humans in a room based solely on the Wi-Fi signals passing through the environment. You brought it into your house. You have allowed that in there, and now they can do this in your house. The true purpose of this is obviously for law enforcement, the military, and intelligence agencies. Apart from putting CCTV cameras in everyone's living spaces, this tech offers a comprehensive and supremely surreptitious way of putting eyes in every room of your house and place of work. Indeed, this just may become the norm, with nearly a third of Generation Z favoring the installation of government surveillance cameras in your home. 
this less intrusive method may just find even broader support from the brainwashed masses. It will be possible to know where you are in the house and exactly what you're doing from sitting on the john to something else, which I won't say they said. We've seen how easily intelligence agencies can get secret warrants to surveil anyone of particular interest. We've also seen how easy it is for someone to become a target for surveillance. You very well might one day find your Wi-Fi router and access points feeding imagery to an alphabet agency that didn't like your social media posts, while armed thugs wait for the perfect moment to execute their next no-knock raid. Now, it obviously can't see metal, which means through metal. And because of that, it means that they can see the shapes of metal. So they know exactly where everything in your house is. It might have a certain shape, if you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing they won't be able to identify before they come and knock on your door. Nothing. It's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. From CBS Austin. Catholic hospital system enforcing updated COVID vaccine requirement for workers. Nonprofit Catholic healthcare system Providence Health and Services is directing its employees to receive the new round of COVID-19 vaccinations once they are available. Employees are being asked to receive a vaccine or booster by no later than November 30th. However, a spokesperson for the healthcare system told the national desk, that those who do not wish to receive a vaccine simply need to submit a declination form by the same day. On its website, Providence Health and Services refers to the practice as vaccine requirement meant to protect its vulnerable patient population and community. So we'll see where they go with those waivers. From CBC, I, you may have heard about this. It's a very serious thing. It's in India. It's not in a great way yet, but it could be. NIFA, anybody? Okay, NIFA has sparked a health crisis in southern India. Here's what we know about this deadly virus. The Indian state of Kerala is battling its fourth outbreak of the NIFA virus since 2018. Two people have died and nearly 800 people have been tested over the last 48 hours. This was about seven, maybe eight days ago in the state's district of Kozhikode. Two adults and a child are in hospital for observation after testing positive. It is listed by the WHO among those deemed to pose the greatest public health risk due to the epidemic potential and a lack of sufficient countermeasures. NIFA is a zoonotic virus, meaning it can be transmitted between animals and humans, but can also spread through contaminated food or from human to human. It kills, this is the problem, 40 to 75% of the people who become infected. You've got a huge chance of not making it if you get this. And so it's important that they keep track on this. They seemed later in the week to have control of it. But until they have all of those 800 people completely, you know, secured for the next number of days, they really don't know. From just the news, Congress addresses another victim of COVID pandemic, the doctor-patient relationship. Zero Hedge. Moderna plunges after Pfizer sees just 24% of Americans seeking COVID boosters. What does that tell you? Morality is declining from the Gateway Pundit. Woman euthanized in Belgium. You know, this is so bad. I, if you don't want to hear something hugely tragic, I'll give you a second to leave. Anybody want to not hear this? Okay, this is hugely, hugely tragic. From the Gateway Pundit. 
Woman euthanized in Belgium heard screaming by loved ones as she was suffocated by a pillow. 36-year-old Alexina Watiz received the news that she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. In 2021, doctors told her she would not survive another year. By the spring of 2022, her health had deteriorated to the point that she chose Belgium's controversial euthanasia program to end her life in what she hoped would be a more peaceful and less painful way to die. Belgian law specifies that to qualify for euthanasia, the person must be in a medically futile condition of constant and unbearable physical or mental suffering that cannot be alleviated, resulting from a serious and incurable disorder caused by illness or accident. Unfortunately for Alexina, her death was anything but peaceful. After a cocktail of drugs failed to end her life, European media outlet Les Sur reported that Alexina was suffocated with a pillow by nurses while her loved ones in another room heard her screams. Now, I can't imagine being a human being that would do that to another person. I told you that was bad, and I'm sorry if it affects you tonight when you're sleeping because I want you to know what's going on in this world, that they are actually willing to go to these extremes just to end human life. From the Federalist, report, public schools pick teachers based on their allegiance to cultural Marxism. Public schools across the country are using politically one-sided questions to ideologically screen potential teachers, according to a survey of nearly 70 public schools by the National Opportunity Project. Instead of merely selecting the most qualified candidates, these discriminatory hiring practices elevate would-be teachers by their alignment with DEI goals. Documents obtained by NOP show public schools advertised ideological requirements in their job postings with coded language seeking equity literate educators who will work at dismantling systematic racism with a commitment to social justice. Denver Public Schools dictated that applicants would have an anti-racist mindset and will work to dismantle systems of oppression and inequity in our community. These standards invite educators of a particular ideological affiliation to pursue jobs in public schools while deterring other candidates. I'd like you to remember this article when I read you something next week. They position teachers as soldiers who share responsibility for upending societal barriers. Their message to applicants is clear. Be prepared to join our crusade or don't apply. From Fox, Rolling Stone magazine founder axed from Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board after comments on diversity. Jan Wenner, yes, Jan Wenner, it's J-A-N-N, that's why I want you to know it's a male. Jan Wenner suggested to the New York Times that black and female musicians didn't articulate enough for him. So he's got a position on music. He says it, and now he's banned from the board. Tell me that makes any sense at all. You know, if I say I can't stand country music, which isn't true, you would think that I would have a right to that opinion. They can't articulate in country music. No, if you do that with a black or a female, all of a sudden you are out. It's good because he's probably a Democrat anyway. From Breitbart, BBC Radio scraps Irish singer Roizen Murphy after she called out puberty-blocking drugs. She said this isn't good for our children, and so they no longer will allow her to be a singer. 
Mail Online, trans tennis coach Sasha Yates, who changed near-female students in locker room and asked them about underwear and something that happens to women, is rehired at Gettysburg Area High School. He went into the other person's bathroom because he says, I am this gender. He changed in front of them, started talking about what happens to females at a certain point in their life. They got rid of him, and now he's been rehired. From the Western Journal, male masquerading as girl wins homecoming queen at Missouri High School. Parents appalled. He doesn't even look good. I mean, it's not even like, you know, one of the Thai Billy boys or something. It's just, he looks like a monster. But this is what they're, we're going to vote for this person so that we look like we're representing something. Okay. No. No, the article I'm sure did, but I just read you the title. Uh, we got some other news here today from the Western Journal. CNN gets roasted for absurd cryon. That's the thing down here. Warning Constitution is outdated, puts democracy at risk. Remember that when I read you something next week. The few, re- well, we won't be here, will we? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> The few remaining viewers of CNN, you know, I'm not going to type a sermon tomorrow. How's that? Next week, we'll just play if we're still here. The few remaining viewers of CNN got a remarkable dose of news just in time for Constitution Day. CNN's dwindling audience learned that the U.S. Constitution, the oldest written government charter in the world, and the document that gave birth to the nation that has spread democracy around the globe, has become so outdated that it's actually a threat to democracy. Of course, that's democracy as CNN's scholars understand it. And you can't spell ignorance without CNN. The word came on Newsroom, anchored by former Jim Acosta, who interviewed two Harvard professors of government who are of the opinion that the grand system of compromise, checks and balances devised by the founders in Philadelphia in 1787 is as obsolete as the quill pens they used to write it down. Accompanying the interview was a cryon at the bottom of the screen declaring, in all capital letters, scholars warn outdated constitution has put democracy at risk. This last week, which not something I have here, but uh, yes. No, I didn't. Maybe I did. I'll wait. From CFB, Canadian school board eliminates all books before 2008. All books. In one of the most egregious acts of deliberate grooming, the Peel District School Board in Ontario has removed all books that were not published within the last 15 years, meaning that any books published before 2008 were removed. They also removed any books that they deemed to have racist content, stereotypes, or didn't affirm students' identities. Even books such as Harry Potter and the Hunter Games were removed. The district refers to this mind-numbing purge of history as equitable weeding. The group of fascists that sit on this board get to deem what they think is offensive and then remove it. They claim that removing these outdated books will limit the harm caused by outdated and oppressive resources that remain in circulation. And in, yeah, oh, their Bible was written what? 2,000 years ago, of course it does. In an internal memo, the board directed the staff to affirm identities, stating that using anti-racist, anti-oppressive, and anti-colonial texts is crucial. 
Zero hedge. Chicago Mayor Johnson moves toward, anybody see this? A couple of you did. City-run grocery stores. Yeah. This is right out of Moscow in yeah. 1972. Yes. Rising taxes and crime had led many to leave, especially businesses. This includes grocery chains. Walmart, Walgreens, Aldi are just some of the companies closing stores. Johnson's solution is telling. Rather than address the underlying conditions, he is suggesting a solution that has failed historically government-run stores. Indeed, the failure in dealing with crime and hostile business environments has allowed socialist activists to realize a major new socialist agenda item. The Chicago Tribune reported that the start of the feasibility study to open government-run stores as part of Johnson's pledge to advance innovative whole-of-government approaches to address inequities. As the Johnson and Biden administrations to make state-run stores where work where the Soviet Union failed, history and economics are hardly on their side. Remember all of this when I give you next week's report. From the Western Journal, Caribbean nations seek a former apology. They want to be apologized to $33 trillion in slavery reparations. The crime is huge, they say. They don't produce anything. They don't do anything. If they don't want to be where they are, they can always go back where they came from. They've got their own country. All they have to do is make the passport say, I'm going to Africa and stay. But they don't want that. They just want free money from just the news. I have some friends. We went down and visited them a couple days ago. One of them is from Haiti. The husband, I think he's uh, U.S. born. They are obviously black, right? They just bought their own home, right? And so we went down and congratulated them. This is what you do. You don't just suck off of other people. You go out and you work, you get a job, and you pay your bills. She homeschools her children. This is what you do when you don't want to be a communist. Just the news. U.S. officials with dementia may pose national security threat, Pentagon-funded study says. Well, that's Biden? That's Pelosi? I mean, we we could just get rid of half of the Congress with this. The report states that an increasing number of cleared personnel, that is personnel who hold or have held security clearances, have or will have dementia. Well, just look at the Congress. Look at the White House. And the Pentagon is worried about the study. Why don't they address the people in the study? From Yahoo, world disappointed by the UN now looks elsewhere for answers. I wonder what that means. From the Federalist, Navy puts the kibosh on digital recruiting program after discovering enlistees are not into drag queens. From Breitbart. Criminals will run wild. I know you saw this, but I have to tell you, for the one person that didn't hear this, Illinois becomes first state to abolish cash bail. Every city in California where they have done this has turned into a cesspool of crime and drugs. And now an entire state is doing it. An entire state. From Fox. New York City to consider removing statues of George Washington and create reparations task force amid budget cuts. They can't afford their own budget. They have illegals coming in that they can't afford. And instead, their priority is removing statues of George Washington and creating a reparations task force. 
New York City Mayor Eric Adams said last week that the influx of tens of thousands of migrants will bring a financial tsunami. But they want reparations. Who said it? Can a mortal ask questions which God finds unanswerable? Quite easily, I should think. All nonsense questions are unanswerable. (laughs) C.S. Lewis. It's just like reading the news. The guy wrote that years and years ago. Okay, let's see what Les has for us today. CNN thinks our charter is bad. The most dangerous thing that we've had. Seems their numbers are down and they are town to town. They are not just unhappy, but mad. M-A-D, capitals. Okay, um, I've got something very encouraging to tell you. This is very encouraging. The rapture is tomorrow. (laughs) At least it made you laugh, okay? When it doesn't happen, I hope that the person that did this will never do it again. It is damaging to people. I've seen people turn away from the faith because of that kind of nonsense, all right? We're not smarter than Jesus. Let me read you something that he says. This is his word. This is what Jesus himself said. This is in this dispensation. This is not written to anybody else except the people of the church. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to take you to a book called Acts. It's right in the Bible if you've never heard of it. I'm going to take you to the first chapter of the book of Acts, which is the beginning. First chapter is the beginning, okay? They asked him a question. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that's just one point of many points of what Jesus will now respond to. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons. That means any of the prophetic events that are coming. None of them. You are not to know them. Paul repeats this in his letters to the Thessalonians. It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. People are out there trying to outsmart God, predicting the rapture, and they are causing damage to other people. Okay, something encouraging. Jesus loves you. Even if you die before the rapture, Jesus loves you. That should be the most encouraging thing in the world. God himself entered into the stream of humanity. He united with human flesh, and he lived the life that you and I cannot live. And then he gave that precious life up for sins of people like me and you. He did this for us. I have never gotten over it when I understood that premise. I have never recovered, and I never want to from the joy that I felt the day that I realized that Jesus did that for me. The absolute joy that lives in my heart. I I get angry. I get upset. I have bad days. That's not the joy that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the joy of knowing that God has forgiven me for all the things that I do wrong all the time, every day. Okay, a couple ironies and we'll be done. From the Gateway Pundit. Liberty, you know that the Liberty Safe Company went off the rockers, okay? Liberty Safe parent company exposed as major donor to gun control Democrats. Talk about working against yourself. And then from the star, 
YouTube parenting mom. She's on YouTube telling you how to be the best parent you can. This is it. You listen to me. You will be the best parent ever is arrested for child abuse. <laughs> Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week. <laughs>